You know, even what we uh, we just sang, um, a couple things in there that lead into our uh, passage for today. Um, one is that all my delight is in you, Lord. You, you know why that's wise? Because if you delight in anything else besides the Lord, that's going to change. That's going to decline. That's going to decay. It's going to to go away. All the things that we can delight in the good things of this world, they will come and go. But if we delight in the Lord, then even in chaos and confusion, He is sovereign still. And we'll we'll see that particularly in, in our passage today that I think... I think this is the greatest miracle of the Bible, of what we'll look at today. It's in Luke chapter 23, starting with verse 32. It's found on page, uh, we'll start on page 859, your pew Bible, or you can follow along on the the screen. But I think this is the, if uh, if not the greatest, it's one of them. Um, But let's pray before we read together. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your word. Um, We give you thanks for your calling us to gather us together. And we we pray, Lord, that now you would open, prepare our hearts, our minds, our souls to receive from you. To to speak not just to our our intellect, but, but also to our very soul. Help us. To receive from you. To continue to be transformed in in knowing who you are. Help us to receive that you long to forgive us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, um, uh, starting verse 32 of Luke um, 23. Now, this is uh, Jesus on the cross. We're going to go there today, and uh, um, he's there, and the two thieves are about to be crucified with him. Hear the word of the Lord. Two others also, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals. One on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, 
For we are getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. I think this is the greatest miracle of all because I just can't imagine this. You know, I get hangry when I miss a meal. (laughs) You know, my patience goes down. How in the world would a human being, Jesus was fully human, just he was fully God. How in the world could one be experiencing such searing, emotional, physical pain? Nails in his hands and in his feet. Thorns bashed into his head. People all around, a bunch of people doing nothing. And then the leaders mocking him, deriding him, heckling him, calling him names. And then his closest friends, the ones he'd been hanging out with, they denied him. They betrayed him. They deserted him. I mean, he he couldn't move, humanly speaking. He couldn't even scratch if his nose itched. I mean, he was exposed to all without any human capacity to do anything. Now, it'd be one thing if it was out of resignation that he forgave. The, the people that did nothing or that hammered nails or deserted him or belittled him or betrayed It would be one thing if out of resignation because he couldn't do anything. That he just said, well, I'll just forgive you and then die. But that's not who Jesus was. He was God in the flesh. At any time, he could have called down the heavenly host. <laughs> At any time, he could have with rage caused the earth to crack open and swallow them all. With just the breath of his lungs, he could have renewed his own life, removed the nails, and gone like Gandalf. (laughs) You shall not pass. (laughs) At any time, he could have done that. But he didn't. Because it is the very character of God to forgive. It is his longing. It is Jesus longing on the cross. As we've been looking through this series, when he prays, when he's crying out to his father, in the depth of his soul, what does he cry out for? He says, Father, with nails in his hands, thorns in his head, with all who had belittled him and betrayed him, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And then when one of the thieves on his right said to him, Remember me, said, Today you will be with me in paradise. Just as the blood was streaming down and the pain to body and soul was fierce. In in this um, uh, passage, you know, for the first part, he, he says, you know, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And some folks like to think, well, okay, he's forgiving people when they're ignorant. I don't think that's what he's doing. 
I don't think that's, because I think people knew exactly what they were doing. They knew what they were doing when they were silent. They knew what they were doing when they were belittling him. They knew what they were doing when they were hammering the nails. They weren't robots. Uh, Peter knew what he was doing when he was denying Jesus to his face. The, the other thief, well, both of the thieves, they knew what they had done in their sin. And one thief knew what he was doing when he was crying out to Jesus, saying, get us down from here. What I think Jesus is saying here is just for all of us, for all humanity, we are a broken people. It is so easy for us to be caught up in the moment, in the rush of what the group is doing, and we just stand there silent or we jump in picking up a rock and throwing it or hurling an insult. It's so easy for us to act out of self-protection, self-preservation. And deny Jesus in the moment. That in that sense, we we don't get it. We are clueless. We are a broken people. And Jesus knows that. He knows that about me and you. He knows that we're not just, well, we're sort of bad. Uh, We have bad days. He knows that we are broken. That without Him, we are without hope. Me and you and all who are here and every one of humanity, we do, we are clueless. And in His mercy and grace, He knows that about all of us. And He longs to forgive. He longs to forgive the ones that put the nails in the side. He longs to forgive the one next to Him, and He does. who is hanging next to him. And he longs to forgive Peter, who denied him to his face. And he does. You can go read in the end of John. But just a chapter before, Peter is denied. He'd been hanging with Jesus for three years, and as Jesus is being taken to the cross, people say, hey, don't you know him? No, I don't know. No, never met him. And then one even, I don't know the bleeping dude. And yet... Jesus longs, He knows that we are broken. A selfish people, He knows it. And He longs to forgive. Father, forgive them. Now, sometimes what we... We think about God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. We sort of pit them against one another, you know. That the God of the Old Testament, that's the God of rage and wrath and judgment. Well, the God of the New Testament, you know, after the cross, that's when God becomes merciful and gracious. And I'm like, you know, that's just wrong. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is God's character that is one. And and as we'll see as we walk through this and look at a few other passages, we'll see that, that God's forgiveness is a part of his whole character. It's a part of his justice and righteousness just as much as it is a part of his compassion and love. We don't compete. We don't pit. Com- compassion and righteousness don't compete. God is whole and one. This is his very character from the very beginning. You see it in, in the very beginning stories, even of Genesis, when Adam and Eve, they sin against God. They, they rebel against God. And what does God do? He gives them consequences for their sins, but then He kills an animal in order to clothe them, in order to provide for them, in order to protect them. He could have ended it all right there, but that, that's not what was just and right and gracious and kind. And He 
cares for them. So in the very beginning, um, in uh, uh, Moses, a little bit later on in the book of Exodus, Moses is the one that's called to, uh, God meets with Moses, says, you're the one, I'm, you're going to bring my people out of slavery. And so God says, okay, well, when I go tell people that you're telling them to come out, what do I, who are you? What do I call you? And it's in Exodus chapter 34 that we see um, what he, how he responds. This is the Lord talking to Moses. The Lord passed before him, before Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, yet by no means clearing the guilty, but visiting the iniquity of the parents upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. This is God's character from the beginning. Now, let's just hang here just for a little bit and recognize what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is costly. Forgiveness is not something that just, well, we'll just forget it. The, the consequences of our sin and our disobedience, of our flaws, of our brokenness, we'll just, forget, we'll just act like it never happens. We'll let it go. Well, that's not what happens. By God's grace, by His compassion, He does not let our sin go unnoticed. He brings discipline. He brings words of judgment. He brings words of discerning to say, no, this is judged to be evil. This is wrong. Don't do this. It is an act of God's grace. And I tell you the person to ask, if you don't believe that. Ask the thief who was hanging next to Jesus. Was he, did he rejoice? Does he rejoice today that he was caught in his sin? Does he rejoice today that he was hanging on the cross next to Jesus? Don't you think he rejoices in paradise? That by God's grace he was caught and he was hung on the cross right next to Jesus where then he could say, forgive me, remember me. And then the Savior of the world, today, you are with me. So he brings, it is God's grace that brings discipline, that brings conviction of sin, that brings judgment so as to awaken us to our sin, awaken us to our self-focused nature, and awaken us that our one and only delight is in Him. And if if you don't buy any of that, well then just look at the numbers here. How many generations does His grace, His faithfulness and love, last thousands and yet the sin is only three or four it is the everlasting work of god it's his very nature and character um let's look at uh one other passage um in micah um this is good because micah is one of those prophets that, that you know he's sort of judgment and damnation you know you you guys are messing up and for seven and a half chapters I mean, he's just laying it down for the Israelites of the ways that they have forgotten God. They followed after idols. They've oppressed the the poor. They're they're, um, uh, all kinds of shady business deals. They're avoiding the Sabbath over and over again. He's just going at them, going at them, going at them. But the whole purpose is so that they will repent and turn to him and that they will turn to God who longs to forgive him. And so the end of Micah, he says... Who is a God like you, 
pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of your possession. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in showing clemency. He will again have compassion upon us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Can you even imagine Jesus on the cross next to that thief delighting? See, it doesn't matter the chaos and confusion. It doesn't matter what goes on. God's character is so real and so faithful. He is delighting in that moment in offering forgiveness to the thief who is asking him to remember him. This is the very nature of God. Because what, what Jesus does is what God does. I mean, that, that is God who longs to offer us forgiveness. And our response then, our, our response when, when we encounter our own sin, the own evil that we do, our own selfishness, our, when we encounter our own brokenness, then what Jesus, what the Word tells us to do is to turn to Him. As, as Mike read, Already today. And why we do this every Sunday? Because um, uh, the recognition of sin is such a gift. You know, it is such a gift that we recognize our sin so that we don't depend on ourselves, that we depend on Him. 1 John um, chapter 1, uh, verse 9 and 10. Again, if we confess our sins, and how will we know to confess them if we don't know them? See, it is God's grace that he reveals to us the evil that we do so that then we turn to him. He who is faithful and just will forgive us all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. couple things here. One, one notice how here this passage is a little, little different than what we would expect. But do you see what the forgiveness is based on? He's going to forgive. We usually think he forgives based on his compassion, right? He forgives based on his mercy, based on his love. Well, here he forgives based on his faithfulness and justice. Huh. How does that work? How does his faithfulness and justice, or another word for justice there is righteousness, we, we think he's going to judge according to his justice and righteousness. No, he forgives according to his justice and righteousness. It is his very character, his very desire. He delights in offering forgiveness. Well, but he's, he's faithful in that he is dependable. In that what he says is what he will do. That his character is not dependent on, you know, not losing an hour of sleep last night. His, his character is the same. He is faithful. And if his character is one of grace from the beginning, well, we were, we were just singing about that too. Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us. If you ever doubt that, just go back in your mind's eye to the cross. Because Jesus was no different there than God has been since the beginning. Of offering us his forgiveness and his mercy. He is faithful his longing to forgive and his mercy, his embrace to us in our brokenness and evil, 
never changes. And he is just in that that never changes for anyone. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've thought. I don't care what's been done to you. I mean, I care in that I care. But God doesn't care at all. His faithfulness, His grace, His justice, His mercy is the same to you even if you're hanging on a cross right next to Him and fully deserving it. He's that just. He's that fair. That His mercy is for any and all at all times. And it cleanses us. So our response is to confess. I love the word confess. It's a great uh, word. It's, the, the first part of it is homo, meaning same. And the second part is like logos, meaning word or thought or idea. It, it, we have the same idea. We have the same thought. We agree. Oftentimes, we agree together. Confession, we're not telling God something God doesn't already know. God knows us better than ourselves. Matter of fact, the most foolish thing we can ever do is hide from God. You, you can do a lot of crazy things and you can get away with it. It's possible. Not from God. This is one thing that is sure. God knows it all. So it is foolish for us to try to hide from God. So in confession, we're just agreeing with God. Yes, you are right. We are wrong. We are broken. We are evil. Uh, yes, I did that. Or no, I didn't do that. Whatever it is, I just confess. And I know that that is wrong before you. And what does God say? What does Jesus say as he's hanging on the cross? Forgive them. Today, you're with me in paradise. You agree with me that you are a sinner. I offer you, you receive forgiveness. I want you to think with me for a moment. What is it, how is it that you respond in your own soul, in your own spirit, in your own heart? You know, how is it in, in, internally that then may lead to actions, but how is it that you respond when you're caught doing what is wrong? I think there are two basic ways. Uh, you, we can subdivide in a whole bunch, but that take too long. So you're welcome. I'll just give you two. Blame and shame. Both of them are self-centered. I mean, blame is we, we deflect it. We, we blame other people, other things. It may not even be we spend our lives in blame because we don't want to deal with ourselves. You know, so we, we get up in the morning and we read the newspaper. Or we get on social media. Or we do whatever. And we blame. We blame the rest of the world. We blame others for all that's going on. And friends, please stop doing that. Because don't you see what that does? It is, it, is a, it is attack of the enemy. It is attack of this world that keeps our focus on the stuff around us instead of on Jesus who's hanging right next to us. That's the other thief. We're being the other thief when we blame. Don't you love the other thief? Man, he's turning to God and he's saying, come on, if you're the Messiah, get down here and take me with you. 
Don't do that. Stop blaming. It, it takes your attention. It's, it takes your attention off of Jesus who longs to forgive and embrace and bring healing. And it's so easy. It's so easy these days to blame. To blame others. Whether in the throes of our own sin or just to keep us from having to think about ourselves. And Jesus knew that. That's why Jesus said, man, stop focusing on the speck in their eye when you got a two-by-four sticking out of your own. Why don't you get that out first and then come talk to me? So we can blame. We can blame. And you see, but you see how it, it, it's, a, it's an act of protecting ourselves, but it, it's focused on, on self by focusing on others. You know, it just we can avoid it. And the other, the other is, is shame. And this is one, too, where we focus on self and we just beat ourselves up. We're we, we, embarrassed, shamed. We just kick ourselves, self-flagellate, just say how pitiful and how terrible. How we, and it goes to its point of even physically cutting ourselves. That somehow I can do something to make up for it. That's when we, when we shame ourselves. And that is not God. There's, there's, God didn't shame anybody in here. Jesus didn't shame anybody there. He could have. He didn't. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Whether it's blame or shame, you know, release those and just receive. Turn to Jesus. You're the thief on the cross. You're hanging there with him. I know it's crazy upside down, inside out to think about this. But it's what the Bible says, too, you know, that it's when we're weak, we're strong, because when we're weak, we can't depend on anyone but Jesus. And so in some crazy way, that thief who's hanging on the cross next to Jesus, who also can do nothing for himself, he only has one option, and, and that's to turn to Jesus and to ask for forgiveness. And that is a gift. That is a gift. The other thief is... He's still negotiating how to get down from the cross. Instead of turning to Jesus for forgiveness, for salvation, for mercy and grace. The, the, the second thief, he doesn't bemoan. He, he just receives where he is. Even says, yeah, I deserve to be here. Now. And then turns to Jesus. So how much more so if we're on a cross that's not our doing? And instead of blaming or shaming, we just say, okay, Jesus, we can't do it. Will you receive me? And do you picture the Lord? Do you picture the Lord with his finger at you? Or his voice raised? Those are usually times when our picture of God comes from our family. You know, it comes from our family of origin. 
instead of from the scriptures, instead of from the words of truth. You know, I tend to go shame because I was a firstborn, high achiever, you know, made the, made the grades, did all the stuff that the firstborn do. So when I see that I'm wrong, I hide, I run, I blame, somehow try to get out of it. Instead of just turning to him. Because that's what he wants. That's what he wants. He, he, whatever cross you're on now, do you stop and look at Jesus hanging next to you? That's, that's what he longs for. For us to turn to him in our own sin, in our own evil. Stop the blame and stop the shame and receive from him. The, the best place for me, I've shared this before, for confession for me is uh, in the shower. Because there, I'm by myself and it's just me. Not, nothing else. Confessing before God and then releasing that sin and brokenness and watching it go down the drain. And when it's gone, it's gone. I can't get it back. Once or twice I've even tried. Yeah, it doesn't work. It's just gone. And that's the scandalous grace of God that's in Jesus Christ. See, God's ultimate goal, His desire for us, is not to make us happy, but to make us whole. And, and we spend our time trying to get off the cross because we think the cross is what is our problem, when really it's not that the, the problem is the issue, it's what's the solution, and He's hanging right next to us. Not only does He want to relieve pain, guilt, and shame, but ultimately... He, he, he wants us to be in love and to know Him. So everything, everything that we're in, He miraculously can use that, redeem that, to draw us to Him. 